Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is episode 21. Welcome back to the Music Grind podcast. This is the podcast where we take a look at uh, behind the scenes, a day in the life kind of thing, into the life of musicians, working musicians of all kind, um, whether we are performers, teachers, salespeople, or any mixture in between, composers, arrangers, music directors, all that. All of that stuff is included. And if you've ever wondered what what it is that we uh, do to prepare or, or what that work is like. Well, hopefully this uh, podcast will uh, begin to answer that. Uh, I hope. I hope that's been the case. And if it hasn't, please let me know. Um, you know, you can actually send a DM on Instagram at Music Grind Podcast. Uh, send a DM or an email, musicgrindpodcast at gmail.com. That uh, also works. And hey, guess what? This podcast is now on Pandora. That's new. Uh, it is also still available on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on um, Spotify, on Google, uh, whatever. I, man, I just don't have an Android phone. And uh, whatever Google uses to play podcasts, that's what it's on to, whatever it's called. You guys that, uh, you, you guys that have um, Android, y'all know, y'all know. So yeah, Pandora. Don't forget on whichever service you're on, subscribe. If somehow you're listening to this without having subscribed, thank you, first of all. But uh, hit subscribe and keep up to date with uh, different interviews and you can go back and listen to old interviews and catch some information there. Maybe maybe one of your favorite musicians has already been interviewed and you can find those things there. Don't forget to rate and review uh, on whichever service you use this. I personally use Apple Podcasts and um, that's just my preference. And if you are enjoying it, please uh, feel free to share this with whomever you so desire. If you're a musician, this is a perfect way to help explain to them when when you get the question, uh, what do you do for a living? And if they happen to not believe you or have some kind of doubts or have infinite number of questions, um, send them this podcast or send them my way, this way, over here. Yay. So if you're... Um, if you're listening to this in real time, in real time, as opposed to fake time, then you know we're in the middle of this coronavirus mayhem. And this is actually something that musicians deal with. You want a day in the life? Well, this is part of it. Um, because we are very, very firmly entrenched in the gig economy. Um, most of us don't have, you know, it's not a, it's not a nine to five uh, with some corporate office. 
And and if it is, then maybe that's some, some kind of part-time thing. But this music business is typically not. We are very firmly entrenched in the gig economy, like I said. So we are beholden and subject to gigs being canceled either uh, by, you know, by the client. Let's say the client has uh, some fear and they they want to cancel it or in in a few of um, in my case, for instance, and I know a bunch of other people, the state has mandated, for instance, uh, this past weekend, I was supposed to be in New York, but the state of New York shut down the event that uh, we were playing at. So where am I going to go? Uh, I'm going to go fight the whole state of New York. Obviously, I can't. So I am subject to that kind of thing. And I know a lot of people in Orlando, for instance, that have had several events. That means weeks, uh, hopefully not more than months uh, worth of gigs, worth of income that isn't coming in. That's a really serious thing. So this virus you know, it's in terms of a pathogen, of course, is very serious. But even if you don't get it, even if your friends don't get it, even if the people that you know don't get this virus aren't affected in terms of their immune system, they could very well be affected in terms of their finances. And this is a ripple effect. Obviously, this is not the only industry you know, I'm thinking like the NHL, the MLB, the NBA have all shut down. And, and you know, it's probably right that they do if, you know, we can't have thousands and thousands of people breathing and coughing on each other. But at the same time, think of the people who are working in those stadiums. The, the companies themselves, the teams themselves have their TV contracts and they have their, they have their uh, you know, their clauses and everything else that's probably going to protect them. But the person that's working there and they can't, they're not selling the food, um, that's their hourly job. Think of all those other people. So back to musicians, um, you know, there are events, for instance, uh, in my case, so I had an event, uh, well, scheduled for an event in April for a company from the UK. It's a corporate event with the band that I play with and, you know it was canceled. So that is just one example. I'm not getting that income in April. I already know that now I can try to plan ahead, but I'm not having that income. Now compound that onto how many different events, how many different people um, over the span of the country, really. It's really over the this whole country. And I don't think anyone in this, um, in this industry is immune. Uh, South by Southwest was canceled. Again, once again, that's probably the right thing to do immunologically. But the financial repercussions, we don't know those yet. And I know there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of fear. I know there's a lot of worry. Um, we can get through this. We got to help each other out. Uh, but this is a real concern. And not just the the viral aspect, but the financial aspect, the economic impact of this uh, and the fear is a real thing. This, the gig economy is very, very real. It is very, very real for all of us in the music business on every level. And especially those of us that are not Justin Timberlake <laughs> or, or on his level. Okay. There you go. That's what, uh, 
that's what's happening in the news. <laughs> so now on to better things, okay? Uh, my guest for today, for today's interview is the, uh, man, I can't even, virtuosic is the adjective that comes to mind right now. Dan Navarro. If you're in the Tampa Bay area uh, or even Orlando area, you you likely know this guy uh, and you know him because he's a phenomenal bass player, phenomenal musician, uh, really. I just want to say a few things. This interview was recorded quite a while ago. And just, um, you know, if you go back to uh, episode 17, I, I told you that life happened to me. This interview was recorded before that life, quote unquote, life happened to me. I've been holding on to it um, for several reasons, just scheduling and such. So I want to let you know something. I don't know what was going on with my voice in that interview. I was clearly not feeling well. And um, Dan was gracious enough to still carry on with the interview. Um, although he sat like 30 feet away from, no, I'm just kidding. We sat next to each other. I was not contagious. I just was not, my voice was not having it. I had a frog in my throat, ribbit, ribbit. It was not Corona. This all happened. This interview happened long before Corona. Um, I consider Dan my favorite bass player, uh, certainly in this area. And um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, favorite bass player around Getty Lee is high up there. Nathan East is high up there and Dan Navarro. I think those would be my, uh, three guys. Um, and surprise, surprise. I didn't know this before this interview. Uh, Getty Lee was a huge influence on Dan as well. I didn't know that. And that's, that warms my heart. Um, I don't know why I just, it just does. Um, uh, so there are a few other things because this interview was recorded um, uh, some time ago. Some of the information is out of date. You're going to hear that, uh, that, well, I'll tell you, Dan and Tanya did get married and they did have their baby boy, Rafael. Um, so he's a beautiful uh, baby boy, Mr. Baby. Is that what I, th I think they refer to Mr. Baby? Uh, beautiful baby boy. And uh, congratulations to them on both of those things. So that's a little bit of a, an update to some of the out-of-date things you'll hear in this interview. Also in this interview, you're going to hear, we talk about his musical upbringing. And it's really, um, it's really fascinating because really early on, he was, um, he was getting some great fundamental education, musical education things like uh, chord tone exercises, a lot of ear training from just the people around him. And, you know, we talk about, he talks about someone who uh, influenced him early on in this and educated him early on. And I think that has proven, that has shown great dividends in his playing now, currently. If you listen to him, it's amazing uh, just to hear his vocabulary, his musical vocabulary. Uh, and I mean, you know, in terms of playing, which he doesn't actually do set. Oh, man, you know, I should have had him just play uh, for the recording, for the interview. Maybe I'll do that next time. Hmm. We talk about networking, and this is a common theme in all these interviews. If you uh, want to know the life of a musician, a lot of it is networking. Who do you know? And 
also just as important or more important who knows you and that's just i know that's true in every industry but this is this industry specifically is all about that it's who do you know and who knows you you know we talk about i asked him this um maybe controversial question is school necessary for what we do and i really like his answer uh, i agree with it um for the most part maybe i think i think maybe i lean to one side a little bit more than he does but listen on is school necessary for what we do hmm and then finally we talk about the future what he's working on now uh and once again because this interview was recorded a while ago you know what he mentions is already in effect um things he talks about uh some of them have already happened and some are happening currently so without further ado Dan Navarro Dan Navarro thanks for thanks for talking to me on on the podcast hi hey <laughs> how's it going pretty good um first off congratulations you got some really good news today i did um and do you want to you want to tell the the people the yeah people? i uh i just found out that i'm having a i'm having a baby boy yeah um, very good just it's crazy the whole experience is crazy i'm i'm really excited about it yeah yeah um, you ha- you guys have names or anything like that um we have one name that yeah. um we so what i i think what we both want to do is we we can't make a uh we can't just say all right this is the name and then wait for the baby to get here and then just that's the name that's the name they got i i think uh we're going to have uh Tanya and I are going to have like a choice of 3 or 4 at least and yeah. then once the once the baby comes out just be like all right who are you? <laughs> How you doing, baby? Um, and we'll go, you know, we'll decide then, you know, but I want to have some choices that we, yeah. that we all like, you know. So, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Let's go back to when you were a baby. <laughs> all right. How did you get started with music? Um, was you're right now you're a bass player. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've told you this. So this is no surprise. This should be no surprise to you, but you're my favorite bass player. I think you're the best one around here. Uh, and probably elsewhere too, but you're definitely my favorite bass player here in Tampa. Um, was bass your first instrument? Um, well, first of all, thank you. That's really sweet. I appreciate that. Um, uh, bass was my first instrument. Um, I actually, um, so I, I come from a, a musical family. My, my dad was actually a bass player himself oh, nice. and the the very first bass that i ever played was was his um it, uh it's called the travis bean that's the name of the that's the brand wow and uh it's crazy it's it was like i don't know 11 12 pound bass like it was oh. it was very heavy very very heavy bass uh with an aluminum neck wow um and he used to he used to be in this band in uh in Mexico of all places uh that played just metal 
Yeah. Just like <laughs> Iron Maiden and stuff like that. So nice. Uh, uh, so he actually taught me like a lot of the stuff, like especially early on. Like we would, he would play guitar, um, and uh, it's always something I really, really, really like admired about my dad is that he always, with each one of the kids, he always did all the things that the kid was into. Mm-hmm. He would always like just go, go and do it, you know, nice. with them and um, try to like teach them um, as, as he taught me and he taught my brother, you know, just kind of, he, they were always building stuff and my brother ended up being a mechanic. Nice. Um, yeah, they were, they were always building like model cars and stuff like that. And with me, he would play, um, we would just play all kinds of different music. He, um, <clears throat> he actually showed me my my very first uh and probably the reason why I play bass today um was uh he he showed me Geddy Lee from Rush and I listened to Rush for a long time for really? yeah Rush um if it weren't for Geddy Lee I would probably probably be playing guitar wow right now just cuz you know Geddy Lee, I didn't know like about any of these guys. I didn't know about uh, Jocko Pastorius or Victor Wooten or Marcus Miller or Stanley Clark or any 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 other bass player. I didn't really know about them. I I only knew like the rock world and the pop world and and guitar was always so much more in the forefront. Yeah. And then I heard Giddy Lee thanks to my dad, and I was like, oh man. I gotta stick with this. Like this is where it's at. Man, you know? I never knew that about you. I'm I'm yeah. a huge Rush fan, dude. That, <laughs> Rush, it's yeah. the best. And and I then I found that out about Dave Hamar. Same thing. Yeah, it's like, Neil Peart. Holy cow. Yeah. Um. So, how old were you when when this was going on? Uh, how old were you I when s- he's he's teaching you? So I started playing bass. Um. So I'll, I'll give you. Also, I guess a little bit of the other side with my mom has been, or yeah, she has been a professional working singer for a long time uh, with uh, another teacher. Um, His name is, um, he's a guitarist, like a classical guitarist, but jazz classical. He plays like a nylon string guitar. Um, They still have a duo together, my mom and him. His name is Steve Usher. Um, And he... He taught me pretty much most of the things that I that I don't want to say I don't know like people gravitate toward my playing for certain things and it's really thanks to a lot of the things that he taught me like some you know like pedal tones and just not playing too much and stuff like that um, he he was the guy that really developed like he sculpted a lot of really? of my playing. Oh yeah, he's he's amazing. Like he's an unreal player. Um, every time you watch him play, he's he's really like borderline flawless. He's very 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 skilled and very talented. Um, and uh, anyway, so my mom and him would be wor- or have been working for a long time and. Uh, one day I just, I was just like, oh man, I should, I don't know. I want to try, I want to try this music thing out. And, um, then I, I guess I looked at the, at their band and there wasn't really a bass player. So I was like, maybe I'll try playing bass. 
and that's kind of how the whole thing started. It wasn't like a, it wasn't anything other than, than, ah, who knows? I'll, I'll try it, you know? <laughs> and, and I had a, a lesson scheduled at this place called, uh, I think it was called Naples Park Music in Naples, Florida. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, I had, I had my first lesson, uh, and the, the teacher, I think his name was Kirk. I don't remember his last name. He he taught me how to play Enter Sandman by Metallica. <laughs> okay. And um, he uh, anyway, it was just amazing that 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 I could play what was what I was listening back from. You know, like I was listening to the track and I was playing along with it, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" And ever ever since that moment, I was like, "All right." I got to do this. Like this is I I love doing this, yeah. you know? Like I got to make this How happen. How was that? I was 13 years old. Okay. Like end of my 13 year into my 14. Yeah. Um so that's when I started playing like all together. I didn't have band or anything in middle school. It was just straight bass. Before that, but but like the stuff with your father, mm-hmm. the stuff with Steve Usher and watching your mom uh performing and all that that all that stuff was before right like you were already getting all this i was in and i remember watching my dad playing occasionally when uh when i was little he would play like um he would play bass or guitar and sing and um i think my i really started like it's really weird but i didn't really like think much of it like I was just like, oh yeah, that's happening. That's cool uh, and yeah. whatever. But it was really since I started playing that I was like, really like, wow. Like let's, like this is interesting to me now. Yeah, you know. Right. So um, it was really after that first, very first bass lesson that I that I basically went back home and like my dad started playing with me a bunch. Like in the in the months, four mm-hmm. or five months after that, he was just every night we would play, or most nights we would play together. Right. Um, and I would talk to Steve occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime I would see him at gigs or whatever that my mom was at, I would talk to Steve, and I'd be like. I wouldn't even know what I was talking about, but I would be like, man, I really like the chords you're playing. And I didn't even know what chords were, you know? Like I was just saying like I admired his playing, you know? Right. But I I didn't know any better. So, <laughs> so um, anyway, so this was really after, yeah. after I started playing that I was noticing and learning. Yeah, yeah. You caught the bug. I caught it. Yeah. And, yeah. So you're 13, you're probably entering into high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... um what what was the um what was the thing there like you said you you knew you caught the bug did you did you know then like you wanted to do this for a living or or just i just want to do this all the time and i don't care about anything else um or were you thinking man i want to i want to i think that i saw it as as the best possible scenario like yeah. if i could if if I could do this for a living, then this is going to be great. Yeah. But I was definitely, you know, I deal with like, well, we all probably do, but I'm, uh, I've had a long road to like self-acceptance and all that kind of stuff. So I, I had always been kind of down on myself just generally. And I would be like, oh, well, hopefully, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to work really hard at this and I'm, 
I know I'm not good or I know I'm not very good. And this was, this was for a long time. I, I would say this to myself, but I would still do it. I would still like be on it. Like every, every day I played bass every day yeah. for years, yeah. every day. Um, and it was always like, whatever I could learn from whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I was about to ask. What, yeah. Were you practicing a certain thing or were you just like, I like that song, so I'm going to learn how to play it. Or I well, like this band, so I'm going to learn this album. Or Interestingly enough, I, I didn't really, you know, most people like, um, I have a lot of friends that were like, uh, they grew into music through the passionate like I really like this song and I really like screaming my face off. So this is like this is what I did in my garage with my with my older brother or something. Yeah. We just played songs and sang terribly. And <laughs> um that's not really my story, which is kind of it, it's interesting. I, I really I I knew I wanted to do this for a living. I knew that I that that I I really, really want that would be a really good thing for me. Yeah. Um so um I really listened to like specifically Steve, like there was other musicians that I listened to, but Steve was the one that was very reoccurring. That was a professional musician working all the time that would be like, you know, like I would tell him something like, I, I remember this actually. I remember telling him, um, oh man, I, uh, you know, like after some jam session or something, I was like, oh man, I, I learned like, I know how to play like 10 songs now. And he'd be like, oh man, that's, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, you really got to know, like, you really, you, you should really spend some time learning the music stuff, like the music side of it and, and why, why things, it's all good, why things work, you know, a certain way, like harmonically and all this stuff. And I never understood what that meant really, but I, I really took it to heart and I, I went back home and I was like, all right, I'm really going to practice this. Like, I'm really going to like, uh, you know, just be familiar with whatever they said that I should be familiar with, like our arpeggios yeah. and just basic harmonic movements. So he know? was saying, instead of just focusing on learning a song, learn what's behind it. Right. Like, for example, um, and this was a thing that he would say to me, like, often he would be like, well, you see, the song is just a one, four, five. And there's like a thousand songs that are one four five. So you should learn stuff that you can play over a one four five oh. just all the time. Just like your one four five licks, one four five things. Right. You have isms now that you can put in a little box. And right. you can and you can mm -hmm. now whenever you're in a situation, you know, twist and shout. Here we go. You yeah. know, like it's now you have stuff to play. Right. And 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 it's not even like improvisational stuff, although that's great. And that's really, that's, I think that's what, that was at the core of what he was saying. Like you really want to be able to play melodies on top of whatever. But I think um, he, he really like helped me like develop my baseline stuff, you know, like how many different iterations of baselines can you come up with mm -hmm. in a one, four, five, like, yeah, you know, so stuff like that, you know. That's the same stuff we were talking about. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, like, uh, and he would have me go through, like, a whole chorus of whatever, um, of whatever standard. And it's like, all right, now go from root to root to root to root to root. And this might, might seem like a little, 
redundant for a bass player, but trust me. And I would, I would be like, all right. And then he'd be like, all right. So like the week after he'd be like, all right, now work on going from third to third to third to third, which was oh, a little wow. harder. Yeah. And fifth to fifth to fifth, which was a, a, a little harder as well. And then seven to seven. And anyway, so in that, now you have this like, you know where all the things are on whatever changes that you're going through, you right. know, all the like real chord tones, you know. Um, so lots of little things like that. He would. That's um, that's not just a little thing. That's a pretty heavy. It's heavy, uh, heavy exercise to go through. Yeah, it's it's it was weeks, months of of yeah. work for me to do one song, you know, one standard like right. Autumn Leaves or something. You know, it's like, oh man, I really got my work cut out for me, you know, because it's a lot. Yeah, like said, it's a lot of information. So, um, did you? Um, you said you didn't do like the middle school band or anything, but once you did catch the bug, did you start playing in high school band, or were you doing like garage bands with your friends or something like that? Um, I had, um, I played with a couple friends in middle school. Um, we actually played in. Uh, I played with this uh, a friend of mine. His name is Dan Ferrer who was, uh, we were both really into Rush and all that stuff. And we actually played YYZ at the eighth grade talent show. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember if it was any good. I'm sure it was like <laughs> not great because, you know, YYZ, man, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he, yeah, so he played drums and I played bass. So there was some stuff like that. Um, and then I, I moved from Naples to to Bonita Springs, which is in a different county. So then I, um, I went to high school up there, and I had, this was like starting fresh, pretty much. And oh, yeah, all new friends and all. Right. So I went to, uh, I think the first week of my freshman year in high school, I just walked into the band room during lunch or something, and I, you know, I saw this guy, and I was like, hey. Um, I play bass. Are you are you the music guy? Like, can I? I need to talk to the music person. And he was like, "Yep, that's me." <laughs> and uh, and I was like, "I play bass. Like, is there anything that I can do? Like, can I play bass somewhere?" And he was like, "Well, um, jazz band's not starting up till next semester, um, which you can definitely play bass on. But um, for now, like, I could definitely use you, like." playing other instruments if you would like. Really? And I was like, okay, um, what instruments? Um, and he was like, well, I'm, I'm really short on, on tubas and trombones if you want to stay in the same clef. You know, mm -hmm. you could try like saxes and stuff, but if you want to stay like, you already know how to read bass clef. So, um, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, I'll give it a shot. And then he was like, all right, we'll come back tomorrow and then we'll try both of them and we'll see which one you like. Um, so I came back the next day and I tried the trombone first cause I, I knew, I knew a trombone player that was really good and I, I it, it was awesome. I loved his playing, mm -hmm. um, uh, at this, at jam sessions I played with like Steve and stuff. So I, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I really want to try trombone. So I tried it and I couldn't get a note out of it. Like it was really <laughs> difficult. And, um, and then he's like, all right, cool. Um, we, we can work with that. Why don't you try the tuba for, for a bit? And then I... Uh, you know, I, I picked it up and then it took me a couple of tries, but I was able to get a pretty nice sound, like, boom, you know, like a nice note out of it fairly quickly. And, 
And I was like, all right, I guess too bad it is, you know? And then this I started playing for, too. Um, excuse me. That's okay. <coughs> oh, man, I don't know what's going on. That's okay. Um, for marching band? For concert band. Oh, concert. Okay. Concert <clears throat> band. Um, uh, and I believe either the semester after that or even maybe the, the sophomore year, the next the next year I started in marching band playing marching tuba. Do a tuba. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was it wasn't a sousaphone. It was a marching tuba. So right. it was it like it, it looked like a cannon. Right. You know? <laughs> um, I have really really uh, fun memories of of playing tuba in concert band though, like in marching band too. But um, I really enjoyed like I think I played for all county or all state. I don't remember which which it was, but it was man. We played this. Um, Eric Whitaker tune and it was just it was the when you have like an actual band like of like 40 people just going at the same time being the tuba player is very it's like being the bass player man you yeah. have so much like it's so big yeah. it's so unreal big and like that's one of those moments where you, like I got I got serious goosebumps like Ooh, wow <laughs> I know what you mean yeah I played I did play uh trombone yeah. in high school and in college and I, I miss that the wind ensemble yeah a big group like that oh, oh man dude it's awesome how long has it been since you played tuba um or do you have you gonna bust since, it out right now since I, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I got one right here um <laughs> no I haven't played tuba since high school I don't think yeah. like it's it's been it's been a long time. I enjoyed it, um, not as much as bass, but I really enjoyed like the big ensemble right. aspect of it. Right. Um, but um, but yeah, so I haven't played much. <clears throat> so now, the first time I heard of you, um, I had I had recently moved here. Uh, I think I was living here in in Tampa for about two years, and then I started hearing this guy, oh, Dan Navarro, actually probably from Nalicio and from New Beat. Okay. Um, I love those guys. They're great. Yeah. Uh, I'm sad that Alicia left, but... Yeah. Um, He's coming for my wedding. He's yeah? He's going to be there, yeah. Great. He'll be there. <laughs> um, so, I I remember hearing, oh, this cat from uh, from Fort Myers is what I heard. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you got to hear him. You got to check him out. And, and then I remember, like, um, oh, I, that's what it was, because somebody gave me your number... And I called you to sub for me, and we hadn't even met. Yeah. And it was like, all right, and I I trust that guy, so you know I'm gonna call you, and then you did a great job. But I remember hearing that you had gone to player school. Yeah. Right. So did you go like after high school and all? You you moved up here, or you started playing in the scene down there, or what was that? Um. So. Right, like right after high school, I went directly to, um, like I had the, that summer, um, to kind of figure it out. But I basically went straight to the player school for a year. Um, I believe it was um, the summer of two thousand nine is when I started. Okay, all the way till um, the summer of two thousand ten, I was there. Um, and I got to study with Jeff uh, Berlin. He was yeah. still there. For anybody who doesn't know, pl the player school is actually fairly famous uh, yeah. worldwide. It's a school here in Clearwater that was 
was run by Jeff Berlin at the time, and now it's not. But it's still the school's still around and still great. Yeah, just that Jeff Berlin isn't there. Right. Um, no, they're great people. Um, and all the guys that work there are, are awesome, awesome, yeah, awesome. Killer like, musicians. Yeah, like I learned a lot of, uh, especially like, I don't know, the player school was a good place for me for, um, like I knew a lot of theory and my, my ears were okay. Like I could hear some things, but, um, taking like ear training and harmony with, um, uh, with Matt, Matt mm -hmm. Bokulik, um, he, you know, he has a, a good, he wrote these method books for the player's school. Like he, he wrote them himself and, and they're all very, like very simple, but it's straight to the point. There's no, no BS in between. You're just, and that really filled a lot of holes that I had in my, mm -hmm. just in my realm of, of perception musically. So, um, and I, and I love Matt. He's great. He always like he would start out class with like a joke or something. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's kind of a break the ice kind of guy. So, nice. um, but yeah, um, uh, I, st <laughs> I still recommend anyone who's like really wanting, um, specifically just to know about jazz and harmony and stuff. Like the player school is a great place to just go and you have ensembles every single day. So right. you get to play with people and, and it's it's jazz, you know. They teach jazz curriculum, but it's um, it's really useful for uh, for everyday application of a musician. You know, it's like all right. Um, you, you were mentioning, you know, like with Jeff Berlin, uh, or rather, you know, knowing the jazz stuff and knowing it, it's all applicable to everything else. And that that's actually, I took a few lessons with Jeff over there. I wasn't like enrolled. I just took private lessons with him, and yeah. he said right off the bat, he said, "We're gonna, we're gonna use jazz standards, not because I want you to play. I want you to be a jazz player necessarily, but because it's a good vehicle to study harmony." Yeah, and then and just knowing that, like you said, it's a it's applicable to everything you do. Yeah. Um. So my question is, um, we're gonna we're gonna get to some of the stuff you're doing now, but. In light of what you're doing now and the gigs you've done and the and you know whatever um, freelance stuff you do, do you think it's necessary for people to go to school to be professional musicians? No, okay. it's it's not necessary. Um, I think it. Um, at least my my take on it is it can't hurt whatever, even if it's like classical harmony as opposed to jazz harmony, like uh, some of it is, some of it may help you. You may, you may see something that you didn't know before and it may, you, you may be able to take this with you um, to um, really anywhere, you know, anywhere you want to take it. Um, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. And sometimes in some instances, like I, um, I don't know. I encourage. I think I would encourage the open-mindedness to let go of anything that was said or in school or drilled to you in school. Okay. Yeah, because that's like that's the beauty of like, um, like there are a lot of like gospel guys that 
can play. And yeah. it's a very, it's very emotional. It's a very emotional moving kind of playing. Um, and they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. They're just putting their hands on the organ or the, or the keyboard or playing some groove. They have no like, oh yeah, that's a, a quintuplet with blah, blah, blah. Like it's just, <laughs> there is none of that. It's just ears to action. Right. Um, and I think that's ultimately where you want to get to. So the, the, the learning of all the definitions, uh, like two, five ones and learning everything about them and, you know, like it's all great and it's good to define, to tell somebody something. Uh, but it's really, that's really all that it is. It's just being able to, it's, it's a vehicle for you to be able to communicate musical terms to somebody quickly as opposed to it goes something like this and then spend time <laughs> figuring it out. It's like, no dude, like, Hey, do you know this tune? It's just a two, five, one and F. And then, you know, eventually we go to the four chord and you're going to be fine. Like, you know, that's way easier. And I just told this dude how to play this song right. almost entirely, just in, in literally like five seconds, you right. know? So that's what music, music school does, I think, very it's, well. It's interesting though, you, you made the point though, like the, the ears to action, the stuff, the, the cats that, that maybe they don't know the theory behind what they're playing, but they're just doing it. That is the ideal. That is what you want to get. And through, through all the study, through all the definitions, through all the theory and all that stuff, you want to get to a point where you're not thinking about it and you're just putting your ears to the action. Right. That's, that's, that's ultimately the goal. Like yeah. um, some, you know, people have good days and bad days or whatever. And I do like some days my ears are on, like my ears, like my brain to fingers is spot on with what I'm hearing in my head. Yeah. But sometimes it's not, sometimes it's, it, it just, you know, you just wake up funny one day and it's just, it's just not happening. And it's just kind of, it's on a spectrum, you know, like sometimes you're really, really there and sometimes you're not and it's okay, you know, but it's really nice to have like, you know, if I'm like when I'm hiring somebody for a band or something like to, to put a group together, um, people that have, the theoretical knowledge, even if it's just numbers, like even if they don't know like every every little thing that they learned in school or that they teach in school, like right. um, it, I would rather play with somebody that is um, flexible and understands things like I just said, like, you know, 1625, here we go, you know, uh, rather than somebody who can play very, very, very well and I have to kind of walk them through this stuff like the, I, I can't just say that because it doesn't mean anything to them right, you know right um so i think it's i think it's functional for a working musician to know at least a little bit yeah. of just school stuff you know like things that they teach and i i agree with you and it yeah. doesn't it doesn't hurt it won't hurt you right unless you you know well, like you said when you when it, when you get restricted to it and then you have to forget yeah, um, there are some guys that are just like jazz, jazz clones of each other, and like, <laughs> uh, you know, like how many times are you gonna play the same B flat bebop lick? You know, like it's it's cool and it works. And Charlie Parker did it 
awesome. Right. But but there's there there has to be a point where you're just like, all right, I'm gonna forget about all this stuff and I'm gonna play just whatever what whatever I feel. You gotta let go of some stuff, you yeah. know. Because I hear specifically horn players. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> that they, you know, some of them are just like, damn, Charlie dude. Parker clones. Yeah, or just like whatever clones, just like the bebop clones. Like, all right, here, you know, it's like the same kind of vibe. You know, it's like you know, I don't know if that makes sense. Whatever I'm saying. How did you? I think I think I'm. I have found that most people have a very similar story of when I ask them, "How did you get started professionally?" It's pretty much always word of mouth. I. You know, this guy referred me, or I met this person, and they needed, you know, they needed a, a in your case, a bass player, um, and then, and then somebody else heard about me. I mean, that's literally how I heard about you. Yeah, because somebody told me about you. Um, how did you start professionally? Um, so after I went to the player school, I moved back to Bonita Springs for about, hmm, I want to say, a year maybe. Um, Maybe maybe a little more, but in you know I got hired throughout that time to do like um, there's this little theater in Sanibel that hired me to do a couple musicals and stuff, and they just need people that can read that you know they get hired for like five days a week, you know right. this thing, um, and I I did those I did um, a couple of those. And I did a handful of other gigs with other people, kind of with the same, like, just word of mouth, you know? Like, somebody heard my name through somebody that we know, and um, next thing you know, you know, you just get called for it um, for some gig. Um, But I didn't really know, I didn't have, there wasn't a whole bunch of action happening, like, down in Bonita, um, I think there's a lot more now. Like I see, I have some friends that live down there that I see like more involvement. But when I when I was there trying to make it happen, it just wasn't really happening. So I moved to, um, well, I got, I got married and moved close to USF with, uh, with my ex. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I started basically uh, when I first moved here to the Tampa. I moved straight to Tampa basically uh, in 2012, I think, in like January or February, something like that. And um, anyway, so I was playing with Nalicio's band with Son Salvaje and uh, other groups of his and Sound Spectrum, right. which is Nelson's band, Nelson Nalicio's band. And I was just getting gigs here and there through other uh, other bands um, but not not much so basically I had to um, Leah my ex wasn't really working at this point she was just kind of going to school and uh, anyway so I started I was a valet at Moffitt Cancer Center With cars yeah I was parking cars for mm. I want to say maybe two months three months and really what ended that? Is that I got called to play at Bush Gardens? Oh, okay, and that's, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's where I met a lot of people. Like yeah. Bush Gardens is a giant, the you know it's just a giant hub for people that are, uh, you know, 
young and looking for work, you yeah. know, um, in performing specifically. Um, so through Bush Gardens, that was kind of a, a big launching pad for just really for connections. Um, and I started working a lot, like with a lot of different people. Um, I think actually most of the people that I've interviewed have been because I've met them at Bush Gardens. Yeah. <laughs> or through Bush Gardens. <clears throat> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good place, you know, to make connections. Um, I agree. And it helped, it definitely helped me out at the, at the time too. So tell me one of the, I mean, one of the, the main things you're doing right now is, um, you're, you're the, are you studio? I know you're definitely the the live bass player. Have you guys recorded with um, with Mandy Harvey, who is um, I can never keep these shows straight. It's America's Got Talent, right? Yes. She was on America's Got Talent. Um, I've already interviewed now three quarters of the band <laughs> um, with you, so I got to get Alfred. Yeah. Um, Get him in here. Yeah. Big old frit. <laughs> um how how did how did that um how did that come about? Well, uh I we haven't recorded. Um not yet at least, hopefully. Uh so you're hopefully playing live. You're playing the... live. Mm-hmm. Um we honestly this was uh another classic word of mouth situation in which um I guess Mandy had some sort of um uh, I didn't know her obviously at this at this time, but she she got called to do this documentary for Bird's Bees, like the chapstick company, right. and um, uh, a mutual friend of ours, his name is Paul Gavin. He referred Dave, Alfred, and I to to be there because he couldn't be there. He had something else going on that day, and it was I remember it was a Monday. In Orlando, like a whole day thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was, it literally was just because of that connection through, through Paul. You know, it's really thanks to Paul that any of us have this, <laughs> have this connection with Mandy. Uh, so thank you, Paul Gavin, if I haven't <laughs> thanked you uh, yet. Um, uh, we, you know, we recorded this documentary and, and it was, it was interesting. She came in with just like, um, it wasn't like sheet music or a, an actual chart or anything. It was just lyrics uh, with chords on top of them. And yeah, like a, like a word document type of thing. Like a word, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a church right. uh, <laughs> situation in which, you know, it's just here, here are the words, you know, and right. some chords. And there's no like bars or anything. So we're kind of guesstimating right. the, the amount of time that we're staying on, you know, depending on where the words lie. And where the melody is going, um, so the we played her song "Try," which was the same song that I played with with her at America's Got Talent right. for her audition. Um, so we played it for the first time all together. Like she she handed us the music, and and it just kind of happened. Like it was it was very it was one of those moments where it was like kind of everything was fall like fell into place like immediately and. Um, she was playing ukulele and we all kind of came in at the same time and it was just nice. It was a nice like moment that, uh, you know, I probably will not forget, you know, ever. It was good. Um, 
Is that on the documentary too? I don't think that portion of it is oh. on the documentary. Um, but uh, just because we, it was literally like the rehearsal for it. Man, like that, that would have been a nice moment, right? Yeah, to have recorded on. Right. I. You know, maybe they have some outtakes or something that that exists somewhere. But it was, you know, from what I remember, it was a very like. <gasps> Wow, it's all happening! Like we're all doing this together. This is this is great, <laughs> and um, anyway, we I didn't really get um, after that. We didn't really work with Mandy a whole lot. Like we had another gig maybe eight months after that or something in Orlando. Um, the three of us again with a sax player, um, and then I think maybe a couple months after that we started like uh, we started our first like little tour that was in the Northeast in like New York and Boston. Nice. Um, yeah. And, uh, she asked us for any recommendations on, uh, guitar players. So we got our, you know, we got our friend Will to be yeah. on it. Will Cena, And that's kind of how the story goes. You know, we just, again, word of mouth. Word of mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, man. Even Will's story, he didn't work at Bush, but like he was in Phase Five, who was all Bush people. Oh yeah, yeah. So being out on tour, tell me like what's your what's your your perspective, your typical day when you're working on you know on a Mandy gig, either local or on tour. I'm sure they're different. Um. Yeah, what's well, a work day like? <laughs> it it really depends on the travel. Um, it depends on how the travel is laid out that day. That's really what defines the rest of the day. Because uh, there have been some moments that um, you know you have to wake up. Like there, there have been some switchovers that are just insane. You know, like you have to wake up at three in the morning to be. By the car at three forty-five, four o'clock in the morning, uh, and drive to the airport to catch this flight at nine or something. You know, like it's there's some crazy stuff um, some days, and those kinds of days. Um, sometimes we play that night. Sometimes we go. We're traveling to the airport to get to the next place, to get to the hotel or straight to the venue. Sound check have a little, like maybe an hour or two or more sometimes, usually an hour or two of downtime, play a show, come back to the hotel, sleep. Mm -hmm. um, some other times, um, it's not it's not as intense. Um, some other times we, like we had, for example, uh, we played a gig in um, at the Bahamas last year at some point. I don't remember when. It was like in the summertime maybe. And... It was great because we got there. We t we took a flight, um, and uh, we got to uh, Nassau, and we stayed there for like five days. And it was there was literally like almost no playing. Wow! And we were just involved in some things um, for like two days out of those five days or something. And it was like that's a very different day. Like you wake up. And you do whatever you want. You practice or you, you know, you make sure to check obligations, you know, yeah. if you have anything going on. And, and most of the time, you know, uh, most of the time you do, you have something going on. But then that specific instance, it was like a whole week basically to 
<laughs> just kind of relax or to get some work done, you know? It's you can see it <laughs> right. both ways, you know? Yeah. <laughs> get some of your own stuff done. Right. We know Alfred was working that whole week. <laughs> yeah. He's a, sorry, he's a workaholic. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's been doing some crazy stuff. Man. Yeah, the, man. The symphonic stuff he's been doing. Alfred's a machine, dude. Yeah. That man is uh his respect, dude. It's inspiring. Nice. Yeah. I definitely gotta get him on. Yeah. So you know, uh, somebody once told me, um, because it, it was actually Nathan, Nathan Brown I interviewed he, while he was here on tour. And while I was trying to schedule it, he made a really good point. So I want to see if maybe you agree with it or parts of it. He said when he's on tour, his time isn't really his own. The tour manager gives, you know, here's the schedule, here's the itinerary. Here's this. You drive that. Do you you guys uh, experience the same thing? Uh, do you have a a road manager or a tour manager that says, okay, the the van call and here's this time and you um we expect you to be, you know, you we expect you to be uh, available these hours of the this day and you don't really have the time for yourself. Um. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the time. You don't have, you don't have much much time for yourself for sure, um, which can be a little, um, it can be a little intense, you know, to not have uh, a lot of time. But I, the, I guess the band manager role has kind of been passed along and it's kind of evolved. Um, like at first it was just Mandy, and then um, Mandy had basically has been getting help like as as the as her brand grows and everything uh which rightfully so you know it's a lot to take care of um yeah. so um and she's she's a hard worker man she's uh, Mandy has a she's on a mission and she's she's great but it's I'm happy to see her like give responsibility to other people <laughs> um but um yeah, sometimes you really don't have much time at all. Um, like the schedule is just, you know, travel and basically be be available at this gig, at this venue, basically the whole day until you get back to the hotel that night and you got to go to bed, you know? If not, you'll get sick or something, you know? Right. Um, so oftentimes there isn't a lot of time. It's just go, 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 go. Um, so he's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like I said, there are some exceptions to to this. There are few, but there definitely are some exceptions in which you have a little bit more downtime. Um, but yeah, it's it's not your own time. Um, how does that? How do you balance that now, especially with the news that you got today? You know, your family is growing. Yeah, and if you're, you know, if you're gone for two weeks at a time or even months at a time. I don't know if you guys haven't done that yet. Mm, I think the longest I've been out has been for close to a month. Okay. Not quite. How do you, how do you balance that? Um, I'm still learning cause I'm not really, um, I'm still, this is all kind of new to me, you know? Um, and, uh, I, I don't know if I really have a, like an answer because I'm still figuring it out myself, but it's definitely looking, especially now that there's like, you know, that I have a, a baby on the way and everything. I don't think that, um, 
I don't know if if I'm able to commit to like the super long, right? Like even a week is really long, you know. Seven days is a is a long time, you know, because we have a we have a toddler and now <laughs> there's a baby on the way, so it's like, um, you know, it would have to be a a team a team decision, you know, right. whether I whether I take the work and it makes and and it's worth it, you know. Um, I also don't want to like, I don't want to miss a moment, you know, of, of kids, uh, and them growing up, but I also need to, need to make money and I need to stay afloat somehow. So it's, I think I'm going to figure it out. I I don't know if I have the the right answer just yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's okay. yeah. Yeah. So what is, um, when you're, when you're home, you're not on a Mandy gig, now your time is your own. What is a work day like for you then? What kind of stuff what kind of stuff is a professional bass player doing? Oof. Well, <laughs> um uh oftentimes especially right now, for example, it's like wedding season. Yeah. And there there are gigs that uh there has to be preparation for. Um I'm not one of those guys that looks like really, really far ahead in the schedule, but um, I look, you know, probably a week out. Maybe I'll um, I look at I look to see what's going on, like if I have a wedding or something, and and if I do, if there are any special dances I have to learn or just music stuff that you know for that specifically for like. Uh, wedding and corporate things that are like all right i this is how i make basically you know most yeah. of most of my income is is from that so um you know uh maybe a tuesday uh or wednesday i'll just i'll look at the at the song list and then make some charts for myself and sometimes i split the work like if i if the band is is uh um people that I've already worked with or whatever and I feel comfortable asking like we share duties and right. who makes charts and stuff but I'm happy to do it I'm happy to make the charts it's not a it's not really that hard of a job and I, it actually helps me learn the song so um, I don't mind making charts for everyone and I don't really go like too intense I just do like a lead sheet type mm-hmm. um, on Sibelius or whatever and um, so there's that kind of work um, uh, as far as like my own, uh, personal stuff, like there are different projects that are, that are near and dear to me that I like to give some airtime. Uh, those are not really paying me. Those are not filling the bank with, uh, right. with cash monies, but they're filling my, uh, my soul, my heart and soul. So, <laughs> um, that's, that's so important. I yeah. Think, yeah. I think people can underestimate how important it is for those of us in the creative realm and performers, you know, there's, it's not just the time, you know, punch the, punch the time card. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have a couple of different projects that I, that I'm involved in, uh, that for example, this last week I, I took my, my little portable recording rig and, um, took it to uh, my friend Dave's house, Dave Hamar, the drummer. 
and we recorded some of uh, our friend uh, Larue, Larue Nicholson, who has really, really awesome, awesome music. Yeah. Just beautiful, uh, really, um, it's really melodic. That's really like the only way to describe Larue's music. It's just everyone's playing melodies. Nobody's really. Uh, I don't know. There, like, there's grooves involved, but the grooves are very mel- melody based. Like, it's all kind of a flowy. It sounds like water almost, yeah. you know. Um, so we're recording some of his originals, and that's what we did this Wednesday. And, um, you know, like when I come back from something like that, like a session like that, I like to kind of mess mess around and see what sounds I can get out of the recorded material. Right. Um, Sometimes that can be too much for one day, so I'll just leave it alone for a couple of days and come back to it later. But, um, you know, stuff like that. Like you just fill up your schedule with things that um, both you have to do and you want to do. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and another thing that happens on a weekly, probably daily basis for me is, is practice time. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you still play every day? Like you did? I don't play bass every day. In fact, I've been slacking a lot on my bass playing. Like I don't, uh, I played today uh, just because I got the news uh, yeah. of, of the of the baby and I was just like, man, I got I got to play right now. I, got, I just got to <laughs> play. And bass always feels like home. Anytime I'm, I'm going through something uh, positive or negative, it's like, oh man, I just got to be home right now. So right. I just got to play bass, you know? Um, but uh, there was... I would say probably for the past like maybe four or five years, I've been practicing other instruments, most mostly more than bass. Um, and they've kind of been rotating. It's not like a thing where like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to focus on this right now or this. And I think there are seasons that I come in waves, like drums was a wave yeah. and piano was a wave. and um, But the ones that are at least right now, the wave that I'm in right now <laughs> is um, really vocals, really working on my voice. And um, and that's really, like I've been taking voice lessons with um, with this guy named Blake Leopold in South yeah. Tampa, um, who is, he's awesome. And I'm, you know, uh, Tanya, my uh, fiance, soon to be wife, is uh, a student of his and right. so his sister her sister um and they're both you know phenomenal singers so i'm i'm taking lessons with him and you know he kind of keeps me on the on uh he just gives me work to do basically on the weekly and that's what i'm that's what i've been doing mostly nice. yeah are you singing with um with mandy i sing with yeah. mandy i sing some backup stuff um I know uh, Will, the guitar player, he sings like actual lead on uh, uh, Hallelujah. We do, sometimes we play Hallelujah and he, they'll trade verses on it. And that's nice. very nice because, you know, it's nice to hear a different voice, especially a female and male. Like it's, right. it's, it's nice to um, hear it as, a, as, you know, as a lead person. It's cool. Um, but um, for right now, I only do background stuff with Mandy. Um, which is good. It's good for me. It's been helping me. What, um, what's the, if someone were to ask you, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to focus on to be 
a working musician. I'm whatever level. I guess I, I guess that would depend on what level they are. But what do they? What does someone need to focus on to make this a living? Make this more than just their hobby. Um. Well, it's kind of it's difficult uh, to answer. Um, yeah, because sorry. <laughs> there's no, no, it's okay. Um, there's there's different layers to this thing, you know, and um, uh, the first one being like, are you are you um, are you supplying uh, a good product? Like, are you do you sound good? Do you like? And I, I, you know, I know there's subjectivity in good or yeah, bad. That's what I was, I was about but, to ask. How do you determine good? Because maybe that person answers you yes, and then you go hear them play, and it's like, ah. Yeah. Well, I guess. I mean, um, are you able to to be like a functional musician? You know, in a in, uh, I don't know how how I'm how to say what I'm trying to say, but like, are you able to, uh, like, do you really know a bunch of tunes, you know, mm-hmm. are you, or are you comfortable reading? Uh, just, just, you know, uh, stuff like that, that is kind of important. Like there's a certain level of, of, uh, technicality or technical stuff that has to be there. Um, before you're able to like, really like, it's really just experiences, you know, it's like, are you able to step into this role and be okay? Like, even if you're barely hanging on, are you able to hang, hang on, you know, um, like gigs that are strictly reading gigs that are strictly like improvising, you know, stuff like that. Um, are you able to really hang on and really understand and flow in, in all kinds of difference, different. So I, I would define that as good. I like, are you able to chameleon yourself into whatever situation that you're put in, you know, musically? Um, and that's that's mostly what I mean. Chameleon yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How do you how do you chameleon yourself without losing yourself? I mean, you're always you, or at least. Um, I don't know. It's hard because I'm I'm always. <laughs> I'm always so uh, like, yeah, you're playing the same thing that everybody else has been playing for years, but it's still, there's still a a human element to it. You know, Mm -hmm. like I've, I've played the Stevie Wonder song 300 times, but it still sounds like me somehow. And I don't know if that really comes from, I don't know. I think it just comes from experience. Like you got to know who you are before you're able to really do that like fully, you know, and really embrace it, I guess. But um, I guess it's kind of, this is kind of an abstract nebulous kind of topic and because there's a lot of subject yeah. subjectivity involved. But I will say that one of the things, like probably the main thing that I see people uh, not be called for gigs for is really social interaction and like um how like how friend how friendly are you like is it you know like if you're a cool dude that's kind of chill you you kind of 
that's more than half the game, and that's that's just the truth. Like, so it's nothing to do with music per se. I know a lot of people that aren't really like they aren't the best musicians in the world or whatever, and they get called for gigs left and right because they're cool people, mm. and that's really more than half of it is how you how you interact with your fellow musicians on a gig or on a situation. You know, um, I. I've seen the opposite scenario in which there's like borderline virtuistic yeah. musicians that are like geniuses and they can play their face off. Um, and they're just unable to really deal with, with other people. You know, they just have a, a certain uh, lack of social, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, Tact, it's it's yeah, social tact. It, it, it you know, uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. Like, yeah, you should know your stuff. You should like understand what you're doing and like be be working on your musicianship and your your music self. But additionally, and really important that you also like watch what what you know. People, people know. People, the word gets around. Word of mouth, yeah, you know. Word of mouth. Um, and if you're kind of a hard, if you're hard to work with, like if you're not really super flex, flexible and stuff like that, like that's that's hard, you know. And that's right. that's usually what will get somebody called over somebody else most of the time, actually. Um, I would say, um, at least in, from where I'm standing, from my perspective, you know, that's right. how, that's the way I see it. No, actually, I mean, I, I've seen that too, and. Um and I've heard it too from other people that I've talked to that I've asked about this. Other, I, I hear that a lot. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I yeah, think you're absolutely right. There's, I mean, there's a and a good thing, you know, like it's a good thing to be able to be a chameleon and step into things or whatever. But that's really. And I half wonder of if it. I wonder if some of that obviously there's per, there there are personalities involved, but uh, I wonder if some of that is um, either taught developed or discovered and revealed in a situation like a school where you have to be around other people and it's not you know you're thrown into an ensemble and now you have to work with that person and you're thrown into another ensemble and maybe it's that same person you have to figure out how to how to get by how to get a good grade when you don't even want to look at that that guy or maybe you're the guy that nobody wants to look at yeah um i'm not sure but it's it's definitely something that I would be telling somebody, like if they want to be in the music business and mm -hmm. do, you know, what whatever it is that we do, you know, <laughs> which is a, a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, it's uh, at least if you, I don't know. I I think that's that's probably really 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 important. So, yeah. um, so what what are some of the things that you're you, I mean, you listed some of the things like the, the um, recording with Larue. Mm -hmm. um, where can we keep up with you? Where can we follow and and get you know when these projects are ready? Where can we follow what you're doing? Um, well, I have um, my uh, my website is uh, danielnavarro.net. Net. Net. Ooh. Um, I think there's another Dan Daniel Navarro out there in the world that 
There's has, a Nathan Navarro. You ever get? <laughs> the, yeah. He's a guitarist or bass player or something. Yeah. You get confused for him. Mm, I haven't gotten that yet. No. Wait, isn't that the, the didn't, um, I think he's a bass player, right? You're talking about I Nathan think, yeah, Navarro? Nathan yeah, Navarro. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he had a, like a couple of dubstep, Bass videos. Have you seen these? No. I don't know if it was Nathan Navarro, but it was one, it was a Navarro of some sort. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he had like these, like he was playing bass with this like ring that like. Oh, I think that is it. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh -huh. the, and it, you know, his hand would pull away from the bass, and it would just go wow, wow, wow. You know, like he would. <laughs> it would be really cool sounding stuff. Um. Anyway, I don't know, but um. DanielNavarro.net. DanielNavarro.net. That's me, and um, I have a YouTube channel. I think it's called Dale Navarro Music. Um, and I have... Um, Instagram. I think I, I have an Instagram. I don't remember what it is. I, um, think, it's but all, it's, I think it is Daniel Navarro Music. I look, look cool. some stuff up. Um, I'm going to put this stuff in show notes and such. And Facebook too. I'm Dale Navarro Music. Um, and yeah, it's... Um, I think with uh, most of the stuff... I have some I have some projects on the way that are that are going to be hopefully uh, finished pretty soon here, and nice. I'll be able to release um, in YouTube and all kinds of different platforms. <laughs> yeah. How how are you doing on that? You, I struggle to keep up with social media. How do you do with that? I uh, well. If I don't, I don't post that often. I should be better about it. Um, it's hard though. It's hard to keep up with it when there's so much stuff going on just outside of social media stuff, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely struggle with that. Um, I don't have, um, I don't know. I post things from time to time and sometimes I post like a lot of things, but, <laughs> um, most of the time I, I'm, uh, laying low, but with these next few things that I have coming up, like I, um, I definitely I'm gonna be posting like quite a bit of that. Um, cool. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Oh, the other the other group, us four. Yes, I forgot to mention that, but I've already interviewed your. Um, you are part of us four. I was part of us four. Was. Uh -oh. oh, I am. Are no, you? no, no, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well. That, um, that's evolved into any and every, any and every, and that's oh evolved God. into. I don't, I don't know how I forgot that name. Yeah, any and every. Us, yeah, us four. Um, I think was um, with Stephen, mm -hmm. Stephen Dorn, Will, and Dave, and myself, and uh, and then you know any and every happened, and I think um, I'm not you know right now with with everyone kind of doing like a lot of stuff like with the Mandy thing and all that I think it's just kind of been hard to yeah. get together and actually do some stuff for that but I think um like we got together a couple of weeks ago and started working on an original of Dave's and very cool yeah so um I think that there will be some things um coming out with them soon yeah yeah excellent any and every I, man all right i won't forget that anymore <laughs> well dan daniel navarro.net thanks for doing this man um, yeah man thanks for having me of course of course man like i said you're my guy down here in in tampa thanks you're, man 
Well, um, likewise. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate it. And um, we'll have, uh, hopefully everybody will be following you on all the social media. Yeah, man. <laughs> the Facetogram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
like I said, we're on Pandora now. So that's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and Google. And um, feel free, feel all the freedom in the world to share this with whomever you choose. If you think someone else, if you know someone who might enjoy hearing these stories, um, or or not, and you want to send them a podcast, you don't, you don't think they'll enjoy it and you want to send it anyways, that's fine too. I'm quite okay with that. Um, if you are a musician yourself and uh, you want to try to help somebody understand what it is you do, uh, or at least some aspects of what you do, share the podcast. And if you have suggestions questions for people or suggestions of who you want to hear on the podcast also send that to me at music grind podcast on instagram and then the email music grind podcast at gmail.com and for me for me personally my name is tito and um once again instagram you know that's that's personally that's my favorite um my favorite of the social media platforms and it for me it's at tdv music i do have a website and it's tdvmusic.com instagram is going to be more um current i hope <laughs> so yeah check me out at tdv music on instagram uh put the dot com for the website uh on the website we'll typically have more of like where I'm playing and such stuff like that. You know what I mean? So until the next one, please uh, wash your hands, which you should have been doing anyways. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah.